0: Welcome to another edition of Fronteras and Changing America. Last edition that all of you had the opportunity to join in on a political roundtable, we ended up having a discussion about the debt ceiling, about the lack of leadership that is being shown in Washington, D.C., about the frustrations that we all have as citizens, not only of our great nation, but of our community in terms of the leadership being exhibited. The political roundtable discussion continues on today's show. We're going to be having an interesting discussion about precisely the same issues the debt ceiling where we're headed and the kind of lack of leadership that our community is currently exhibiting precisely when we're trying to get rid of the fbi scandals another one hits in our community with the el paso independent school district superintendent being arrested and uh, well a lot of suspicions and uh, questions about what he has been up to lately. Joining us on the discussion and political roundtable today, we have an interesting panel that not only is comprised of an in-studio guest, but also one guest joining us all the way from Washington, D.C. Joining us today, we have Gabriel Nila, back from our last political roundtable discussion. Of course, he is the host of The Common Man on ElpasoForAmerica.com. And joining us all the way from Washington, D.C., we have the Press Secretary to U.S. Congressman Silvestre Reyes Vincent Perez joining us all the way from DC. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Well, the discussion is, is one of frustration. There is a lot of frustration in America right now about what is ongoing in terms of the debt ceiling, the fact that it took so long for it to get uh, for it to get resolved. In fact, our last show where we had our political round table, we were talking two weeks ago and the frustrations were already pretty high as they were. And uh, Gabriel, you were there in that discussion it took two weeks later after the show we had last time around uh here we are talking about the same discussion again uh your your ideas and thoughts about that frustration you still as frustrated you, how do you feel?
1: Actually, actually i am I'm, I'm i'm still frustrated with the fact that it just took this long to to uh to complete yeah. now i understand the premise of, of the whole political wrangling and what everybody wanted to make sure that they got the best bang for the buck right. but it was just a, a It just took so long Mm -hmm. and many people are still not happy with with the end results.
0: And you know, I'm very curious about those end results. Uh, We have Vincent Perez, press secretary to Congressman uh, Silvestre Reyes and uh, Vince, you and I have been, you know, friends for quite some time. This is the kind of stuff we would talk about uh, back during our college days about frustration when it came to government, uh, the frustration when it came to the way things were done. Tell us a little bit about the process, how things went, uh, maybe some of the frustrations that U.S. Congressman Silvestre Reyes had as well.
2: Right, it it has been a very frustrating process. Uh, You know, part of the problem is that we have these new uh, 87 Tea Party freshmen uh, that have come in and have really, you know, refused to compromise on a variety of issues. This is really the third time it is that we've seen uh, sort of this uh, impasse happen. You know, of course, we had the first one back in December when we were discussing the extension of the Bush tax cuts. Uh, you know, there was also sort of this impasse that they refused to compromise, uh, whereas many Democrats, including Congressman Reyes, said that we shouldn't extend these Bush tax cuts in a time of of the debts it is that we're, we're facing. Uh, the president negotiated with them, and the, and the tax cuts were extended for an additional two years. Now uh, they saw this just a couple months ago with the government shutdown. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, we were close to, we were on the verge of a government shutdown uh, again because there was a re- refusal to compromise on uh, on government spending. Uh, and so, so this is really the third impasse that we've seen, and, and it has been a very frustrating process.
0: I mean, and here's, here's the frustrating point. Everybody talking about jobs, everybody talking about wh- when are we going to get to jobs. You you flip to any major leader, whether it's Harry Reid or uh, the other part. It doesn't matter who is talking. Everybody's talking about how now they can focus on jobs. But a lot of people talking about the fact that uh, jobs really won't be able to be focused on because this new uh, this new deal somehow handcuffs some of the things that traditionally the government can do to stimulate job development. Uh, you know, what, what's the situation with that? Well, well,
2: and certainly, and I think you saw that uncertainty in the markets yesterday. I mean, the, the, the stock market was down 200 points. I think it was down to 2.1%. Uh, because, yeah, sure, we got this debt deal done, but now it's like, let's look at the job scenario. It doesn't look very positive. Uh, you know, typically in recessions, uh, you know, you try to stimulate spending, and that's what, you know, President Obama tried to do when he first came into office uh, with the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. Now, part of the problem with that legislation was it just wasn't big enough. There are those who would like to criticize the president for saying, oh, you added a trillion dollars to the debt. But half of that was made up of the tax cuts that Republicans wanted. So we had very little stimulus spending for job growth. Uh, Now with these cuts that were made, again, that were agreed to when we had the government shutdown negotiations, and now the $1.2 trillion in cuts that take effect uh, over 10 years, and the additional $1.5 trillion cuts that will be negotiated in November, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, that's that's exactly what Democrats are saying. Is that where's the job growth? Where are the jobs that Republicans promised that they would focus on when they took over the House? They have not proposed any job legislation to stimulate that job growth, and that's going to be a serious concern as, as we move forward.
1: But isn't it the case that there's neither one of the, the either the, the either sides of Congress have have brought up anything in regards to stimulate job growth?
2: Well, when, when Democrats controlled the House uh, the, the previous two years, remember we had lots of initiatives. Uh, remember we had cash for clunkers, all those things to kind of stimulate <laughs> uh, clunk purchasing, clunk. to stimulate growth. Uh, but on now that the Republicans have taken over, they've taken sort of this cuts-only approach. Because now their their whole message is we need to cut the deficits to bring back certainty in the market so we can have job growth. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that, that you know cutting all these trillions that we are are, are going to stimulate job growth or particularly during this time when, when Americans are having a hard enough time already finding jobs.
1: And, and for, me, and, and this for is, me, this is, this is, the, way this is the way I would see, though, see it, though. the whole situation, is that if we're spending money left and right and, and, and borrowing money from different places and we're not getting anything out of it, we're, we're not getting any bang for our buck, whether it's in, in the form of, of, uh, of rebates or any type of credits or, or, or saving jobs, if you will, isn't it a time where we just say, hey, let's just go ahead and... and Move, let's go ahead and, and not spend so much so that we can go ahead and, and reserve whatever extra we have so that we can say, okay, let's use that money and then and, and grow once we have enough capital to go ahead and grow. It'd be similar to a business where if you're spending too much, you want to go ahead and, and if you're going over the limit, you have to cut back on certain things, whether it's in, in the form of, of employment, unfortunately, or even in the form of, of goods that you need to go ahead and, and operate successfully. And then once you're able to go ahead and build a little bit on that stuff, on, on your reserves, then you can say okay let's go ahead and expand.
2: I mean well certainly but see but even businesses have lines of credit to, to expand uh, you know during difficult times I mean when when Americans are undergoing difficult times you know they are often given lines of credit um, you know the, the the use of credit and the use of debt uh, you know from a government perspective I mean you have to use it in a very wise way uh, you know as as you know our deficits over the long-term uh, long-term debt are, are could they be dangerous to the economy absolutely but in, in times like this, when we see that we have weakened job growth, uh, governments have to do something uh, to get us out of this. Because if, if we do, let's say, for example, what you're saying, is if we just focus on uh, reducing the debt and then using the reserves uh, you know, to stim- stimulate job growth, well, it's actually going to cost us more money if we don't stimulate growth, because then we're going to have uh, low or, or decreasing tax revenues uh, uh, over the long term if we can't stimulate the job growth. So if right now, if we're promoting policies that uh, are gonna keep this economy pretty stagnant or declining as we have seen, because now we're we're three years into this great recession, um, that's gonna be bad for our fiscal policy. Paul Krugman is one of those who who, who has been saying, we shouldn't even be talking about deficit reductions. We should be talking about how it is we're going to stimulate the economy because that's the best way to promote fiscal growth uh, and that will ultimately lead to debt reductions down the road. Uh, but if we just focus on, on cuts right now uh, and the economy stays the way it is, uh, it, it's going to actually, I think, result in, in a worse but what are But
0: what are, the, what, what are the realities of this new deal? A lot of people are still trying to figure out what the realities of the new deal are. People talking about this, uh, you know, little super commission that's going to be developed, uh, the fact that people still don't know how things will be resolved. Will the hands of Congress and the president, for that matter, be tied... Uh, in terms of stimulating job growth uh, in America and in places like El Paso or Las Cruces, uh, our, our local communities, a lot of people talking about the fact that with this new deal, we won't really even be able to, to to do the things that government is traditionally used to doing in terms of stimulating job growth. Are are those you know true or false allegations from your perspective as a press secretary up in Congress?
2: No, that, that's that's certainly a huge concern. I, I mean, certainly when you're when you're putting these caps. Uh, you know, part of the other problem is, is that these cuts, this 1.2 trillion dollars in cuts right now, really aren't defined yet. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of this sort of vague 1.2 trillion in discretionary cuts. weren't they, uh, weren't
1: they supposed to be part of the the as we, as the reduction in the in the troop levels when it comes to the to Iraq and, and Afghanistan? They were that, that going to be part in of, that that, part was, of that wasn't
2: part of the agreement with the Senate side. Uh, but those savings have been factored in, into some calculations. But the 1.2 trillion dollars in savings. is... Coming from discretionary accounts, which is exactly where it is, you know, it's sort of the program, the funding it is that's available for uh, government to do these types of initiatives. The biggest problem, and, and something I didn't address earlier, the biggest problem with the package that was proposed and, and the package that passed uh, the Congress and the President signed into law uh, was that it didn't include any tax revenues. Now, I understand the need to, to reduce the deficits, but Congressman Reyes, actually, and he voted against um, this this agreement that was passed and signed into law, uh, was that, you know, here in this era where we have high deficits, the wealthiest 2% of Americans are still collecting from these Bush tax cuts. Uh, And I would actually argue that that the wealthiest 2% and the wealthiest top 5% have disproportionately benefited uh, from the Bush tax cuts. Those Bush tax cuts added $1.5 trillion to our deficit. In December, when we actually passed the legislation to extend the, the Bush tax cuts, that just for the wealthiest 2%, added $60 billion to our debt. Mm-hmm. So if, if we're gonna really talk about any sort of meaningful debt reform or, or, or deficits reductions, we, we not only have to talk about cuts, but we also have to talk about increasing revenues uh, because we are gonna need that funding to stimulate job growth and, and Hector, you're right. I mean, if, if our hands are tied right now, I mean, how do we expect to get out of this, uh, out of this recession it is that we're already three years into? You know, we're going to start, you know, mirroring Japan, which was in a recessionary period right. for 10 right. years.
0: Well, that's uh, my concern. If- and is Congressman Reyes legitimately concerned about this? Is this his biggest concern at the time uh, at the time being because a lot of people talking about the fact that if the things that you're saying are now confirmed, Vince, and the fact that yes, we will have our hands tied in terms of being able to develop jobs and then how much of what is currently being said amounts to lip service? From uh, the men and women of the Senate and the men and women of Congress, especially now that they go back, just like Congressman Reyes is flying back to speak with his constituents. So, what's what is the message that we're going to try to work on jobs without really having any any kind of plan for it? I mean, how how does Congressman Reyes react to to all of this? Because I'm sure this concerns him as much as it concerns us.
2: No, ab- absolutely. I I mean that's why I mean that's why he voted against this debt deal because I mean precisely for that reason, it, it, it doesn't create jobs. Uh, and it really isn't a balanced approach. You know, it's, it's asking, it's asking, uh, you know, seniors, you know, about 15 billion or so was cut from from Medicare providers. That's gonna be very critical for the border region uh, because lots of seniors depend on Medicare and they're cutting the reimbursement rates that's given to doctors. Well, it's already pretty low. And we hear it from doctors all the time in El Paso and Las Cruces, uh, you know, from doctors who are saying is that we're not, you know, we're not getting paid enough for the services here because the Medicare reimbursement rates are just so low, it's, it's going to get to a point where it's not even profitable for doctors to take in Medicare patients. That's going to hurt seniors. Um, and, and so, yes, it's, it's, it's going to have a lot of consequences. Uh, there really is no good explanation for, for this. I think when it's going to be very difficult for Congressman Reyes to go back and for any, uh, any of us to say it is that they're really focused on, on job creation. Uh, you know, Congressman Reyes has, has said that that needs to be a focus, um, but it's just, it's just not been from, from the Republican caucus. They can, unfortunately, they control the House and they control the agenda uh, and they have yet to put forth any sort of meaningful jobs, jobs bill. And they keep, again, they keep fitting this message that this deficit reduction plan that they're pursuing is going to create jobs. So we're cutting our way to prosperity, essentially. Here, just, I mean, here's, here's
1: the part that, they, that I'm a little bit concerned about, and Vince, and we can get to the, to the, the uh, job growth um, in just a bit, the part that scares me about the, uh, the, the debt deal If you will, I I agree to a lot to the points as we talked in the the last show, you know, we need to increase the the ceiling a little bit to make sure that we can take care of what we have to take care of. But at the same time, make sure we're providing cuts. The part that scares me a lot is the fact that we have this super super committee that's going to be making um, the decisions to decide whether whether or not or where the cuts are going to be. It, it, it's that piece and, and and it's and the part for me is because of the fact that both sides are just so polarized in their in their beliefs and and uh, my guess is that we're going to go back to the, to, the, to the wire again and say okay we're gonna, this is the decision that's going to be made and and that's the part that, that really scares me and and it's and the report that's coming out and, and you probably heard this also um, is the fact that the, or there's a report out there saying that um, I believe the White House is looking at trying to um, identify or, or pick the people that are going to be in, in this committee. Now, whether it's true or not, I don't know, and... and well, I'm and sure the
0: Republicans will try to pick theirs, and oh, yeah, the Democrats de- will try to be,
1: pick oh, theirs. Oh, definitely, de- and that's probably going to be the case. And I've got the perfect solution on that part, and you're going to think this is going to be kind of weird. Okay, and, and as we've talked, or as, as the President has talked about in the past, you know, we, we air, he wants to air stuff on, on C-SPAN. Well, let's go yeah. ahead and, and, and air the selection of who's going to be on. And you and, and you and it be basically pick a name out of the hat. You, you pick, you have someone independent, cut the, cut the names out on a piece of paper, put them in a hat, and say, okay, these six people on, on the Democrat side, these six, six people on the Republican side are gonna be the people they are gonna decide. No,
2: no, no actually the, the, the way the process is gonna work is that I believe um, the Senate Majority Leader and the Senate Minority Leader each have three Picks, And then the, the speaker huh. also has three picks and then uh, leader Pelosi will have three picks and that, that's How, a
1: scary. That's a scary well, part for me.
0: You here it beyond scary, though. How many commissions have we had, though? How many commissions have we had? We've had tons of them. I mean, commissions the one, come the and go. At the people, of the year. people propose cuts and then nobody abides by the well, commissions. Well, well, uh, well, this.
2: Well, this is different. I mean, this is a congressional commission. I mean, in the time it is that I've been here. I haven't seen that. I know the president had, you know, one commission that also looked into deficit reduction, um, but that what's different about this commission is that it actually is going to have the power to decide what what cuts are in and what cuts are out now. Everything's on the table with this commission. The, the everything now including even tax revenues. Uh, but, but it also that on the table is cuts to Medicare, Social Security, and Medicaid. Uh, and essentially these 12 committee members will then decide what cuts are in and how it is we're going to reduce the deficit by 1.5 trillion. and then their proposals are going to come to the Congress in the House and the Senate for an up or, up, up or down vote and the, it cannot be amended. So it has to be passed as is as the committee approves.
0: So what is that so is point. that is that Washington speak Vince for potential deadlock and we're going to go on the triggers that are already set in the current deal because a lot a lot of folks are also talking about that the fact that if they couldn't agree on this which was so important uh, perhaps they deadlock themselves on this kind of talk especially since they can amend from the Senate from Congress and we have more deadlock and basically the triggers Uh, come in play. And then once those triggers come in play, yes, we will get some cuts. But then then the question after that is, are they enough? I mean, it it just, it seems like there is a lot of, uh, I don't know, concern or ambiguity. I'm not sure what to think. I mean, I I myself, I mean, this just happened, you know, within the last few hours, uh, you know, and and we're we're getting more information as it comes. But it seems like it wasn't really um, as much of a victory as it's being claimed to be by both sides? I'm not sure how you both feel about that.
1: I'd say it's a win-loss, and and you can probably correct me on that part.
0: A win-loss for, yeah, for, both, for both sides? For both
1: sides, and, and Vince may be able to correct me on that part. We
0: divided the Tea Party. I mean, yeah.
2: Vince? I, 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 I have the view that it was a victory for Republicans. I think the president, like, again, just for the mere fact that this package, this first round of cuts didn't have any additional revenues, that was a major concession. I mean, the fact that Democrats controlled two-thirds of government, the White House and the Senate, and the fact that Republicans were successful in not getting any additional tax revenue, I think that was a big victory for, for Republicans. And and again, that's why Congressman Reyes uh, had voted against this legislation. I mean, it's it's very disappointing to see that uh, because again, it's not a balanced approach. That uh, you know, that's it's asking certain seniors, and, and it'll eventually uh, have cuts that'll affect Medicaid and and, and the poor. But we're not asking sort of any sort of sacrifice from the wealthiest Americans, the wealthiest 2%, 2% that have benefited from those Bush, Bush tax cuts.
0: Would uh, would would Congressman Reyes have been uh, favorable to say it continuing to be deadlocked and for President Obama to somehow invoke the 14th Amendment or, I mean, what, what was, what would have been the ideal scenario for Congressman Reyes from his perspective, especially uh, the way, you know, based on the way he voted, he obviously had some very, you know, Di- big differences with what was going on. What would be his ideal scenario? Well, and certainly that was an option. Um, you know, and one of the
2: other reasons too that he voted for it is that the deadline was midnight yesterday. Um, you know, we, we had passed this uh, legislation in the House uh, before on August on August first. The president, uh, you know, and actually the vice president came in and briefed the members of Congress before they took the vote on August first. Uh, and 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 Vice President Biden told the caucus that President Obama was fully prepared to exercise uh, the 14th Amendment uh, if need be. Mm-hmm. You know, if that were the scenario and if, if Congress couldn't get it done, then I think that that would have been an ideal situation where the president just, uh, you know, raised the debt. Um, you know, again, and it's important as the president framed this, you know, we're not adding um, additional debt. This isn't giving us authorization to keep spending more and more and more. This is merely to pay the bills that, it is that have already been incurred. Uh, and so it, it, to me, it's just frustrating. It is that the debt limit has been raised, what, I don't know how many, 40, 50 times uh, since, 19, since the 1960s, uh, you know, under previous administrations, both Republican and Democratic. Uh, but again, I think the Tea Party has been, had a very effective strategy in focusing everything against, against President Obama in particular. They're trying to oust him for the 2012 elections, um, and I think they're, they're uh, really cornering him at every possibility.
1: Your, your thoughts on I, I, where they I, you know it, it was a nice segue where I think we can we can talk about and how what what can be done from here in regards to um, job growth. Now that we have this in place, what's gonna what you know we we, we acknowledge the fact that, that that the members of the Tea Party and and, and Republican and the Republican Party yeah um, had made their, their strides and, and stood firm and in. in, in, uh, in getting what they wanted out of this bill. Now, I'm not gonna agree with, with, with uh, Boehner when he says that it's, it's 98% of what we wanted. It's actually probably less yeah. of what they really wanted. But now that we have this in place, okay, we, we've got this here now, what are we gonna do now to go ahead and, and move on and try to build from this you piece? And, and, and this is probably gonna be the part where we have to deal with either the super, the, the super committee or, and, and looking at the, the, the revenue uh, or the increase of revenue and where it's going to be at.
0: It, but here's my thing, Gabriel and and Vince, for, uh, over in Washington. I, you know, for me, I'm not sure if we can trust a government for what's next. Well, I mean, here's here's why. I mean, Vince, what was the logic? And I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure there's 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 a lot of talk about it, but it, it just you know boggles my mind that we left, or not we, the representatives that we elected to both the Senate and the House. Left without any resolution to the whole FAA situation. Absolutely, it's, 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 it's completely, completely uh, frustrating. Over for the for the amount of talk that they have about developing jobs, developing jobs, developing jobs.
1: We have something <laughs> that we can maintain.
0: <laughs> I mean, but here's the thing: over seventy thousand jobs are now in jeopardy, right? Because there is now a partial shutdown of the FAA, and these are people that have no fault whatsoever in what's going on, and they're being used at this, as this political pawn. Hey, but you know, Congress is A-okay uh, with going home without really dealing with this, I mean.
1: And here, here's what they probably should have had, or probably some people should have done, and whether the, whether there is people doing it right now, Vince can probably clarify in this piece. There should have been some people out there saying, "Hey, I'm here still, waiting to you know doing some work here, trying to get whatever information we can or get whatever deal we can." While everybody else is 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 uh, is taking time off, as as I've discussed before on, on several occasions on on different on, a, on the program that I that I do. Yeah. Um, you know, we we've, we still have to have the machine running and yeah. the machine and and whether it's, it's the, the representatives or whether it's the people that work for the representatives or if it's the representatives themselves saying, hey, I'm still here. Yeah, we've got other people um, taking time off, but I, I'm here and yeah. we're trying to get this and we're trying to get this, this ball rolling so we can get everything in place. Vince?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, yes. I mean, it, 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 sound, it sounds good in principle to stay here and say, you know, I'm gonna stay here until this is done. But ultimately, again, uh, the Republicans control the agenda. And if there's nothing on the agenda, um, there's really nothing for, for you to do here. Uh, you know, we, we also have an obligation to go and hear from our constituents and to meet with our constituents. Uh, and that's why the August recess uh, is, is an important part. It's an important period to do that. You know, we have lots of events scheduled in El Paso as well. Um, and so, you know, having, having uh, you know, representatives stay here when there's no action on the floor, um, you know, is, is difficult. I mean, would, would we stay here if, if, if we were in session and there was movement to get this passed? Absolutely. If they decided, you know what, we're gonna take a vote on this item this week, certainly everyone would, would come back here. But if the leadership, if the Republican leadership has made the decision not to do anything, you know, they they put us in a jam. They control the agenda and they make that choice. Yeah.
0: You know, it just it just seems that there's so much frustration about uh, our current leadership, what what they do, what they don't do. Yes, Vince, there's some there's some people that that go back to their constituencies. There are also others that utilize uh, the auspices of junkets or whatever it is to go take trips to Fiji and stuff like that uh that we've seen happen before to the Caribbean
1: at their home and and, you know it just
0: speaks to the fact and I'd like to get your take before we uh we before we conclude our show some new developing information about you know local leadership we were talking on our last uh on our last conversation about the fact that our local leadership leaves leaves a lot to be desired uh last three minutes of the show your take on what is currently going on with EPISD, El Paso oh. Independent <laughs> School District, yet another <laughs> FBI situation uh, hanging over the city of El Paso. Your thoughts on uh, what's going on with Superintendent Garcia?
1: We'll begin with Gabriel. It, it's embarrassing. It, it's absolutely embarrassing. Now now I understand that there's we have this whole thing going on with the political corruption scandals that are going on with, with businesses and, and members of, of uh, council. Yeah. But it, this is, as many people talk, this is about our children. And, and we have the, the 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 head of the school of one of the biggest of the biggest school district in El Paso now being accused of improprieties, and and it's it's rather embarrassing. And and the fact that he came out, he came out. It, it's upsetting, especially given the fact that he's he's out there saying we need more money, we need we need more money. Yet he's taking stuff on the side, <laughs> and it's Vince, like, come on, really, <laughs> Vince?
2: Right. It, it is very disappointing, and it, and it is very sad, and 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 it, it certainly reflects poorly uh, on our community. Uh, on, on the flip side, you know, the FBI has been very, very aggressive. You know, I don't know to what extent this happens. I'm sh- and I'm sure it has to happen probably in other localities oh, yeah. across the country. Uh, but the FBI has been very vigilant, and, and, and which is also a good thing. You know, when I was looking at the stories and saw that there were, you know, 19 other people it is that have pled guilty, I mean, that, you know, it, it certainly is a poor reflection on our community. Uh, with that said, I mean, there really hasn't been, in talking about local leadership, Hector, I don't really think there's been a lot of discussion about, what it is that we can do to fix this, or what can we do to make you know make the, the situation any better? You know, there has been discussion of an ethics committee at at the, at the county level, but I that think something down. Is, right. And it, but I think something is that we seriously have to look at is that you know what it's it's very difficult for young people to come into politics uh, in El Paso just because it it, it doesn't pay at all. Uh, you, you know, at the city council they make what twenty nine thousand dollars a year. Our, <laughs> our mayor makes forty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Our, our state reps make make six thousand dollars a year. I mean. That's why it is you see a lot of retirees uh, on the city council, a lot of independently wealthy people uh, take public office. And I think that's why it is you have people
0: who are more susceptible to bribery.
1: And, and, And unfortunately that's what goes on with, I mean, it was designed that way, especially in Texas.
0: And see, that's the frustration that we want to begin to address here at Fronteras A Changing America. Another interesting roundtable. I want to thank Vincent Perez from Washington, D.C. and Congressman Reyes's office. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you here in El Paso. Vince, hopefully we can have the congressman join us on our show. Gabriel, as always, it is always great to have you on our show as a, a regular commentator. You can catch Gabriel on ElPasoForAmerica.com and you can always catch Fronteras here every evening uh, on Thursdays at 9 p.m. We appreciate you taking a a chance to have a conversation with all of us. And until next time, let's continue to think big about our future.